Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Well, it's an early Thursday morning, but that's not stopping us from talking some baseball here on the Nosebleeds Podcast, a production of WFUV Sports. How's it going, everybody? I'm Will Talent, and I'm joined with Matty Bimonti and Dan Bartels. Lots going on as the MLB season Slowly comes to an end, just about two, two and a half weeks left in the regular season. Teams clinching playoff spots, teams losing big acquisitions to help them get to those playoff spots. Hence the Atlanta Braves, they clinch their sixth, excuse me, sixth straight uh, National League East title. And for the Texas Rangers, their big deadline acquisition in Max Scherzer, he goes down for the rest of the year with an upper body muscle strain. And he will most likely be out for any postseason run that the Rangers can muster together. But that is the opener. We'll start with that. <laughs> How are you Mike guys? Dropped. How are um, you guys doing? I'm good. I had a good Mets game last night, so it's hard to be upset after a great win. Um, but I will complain because when I was sitting in the press box last night at City Field, uh, for the past two weeks, it's been below freezing in there. And it shouldn't, it doesn't make uh. sense because it's like 70 degrees out. And mm. so when the windows open, you want the nice breeze, you want a, like a nice moderate temperature. And I didn't get that. And I was cold and I had spilled coffee on myself and it was just not an all around bad start <laughs> oh, to man. the game. Oh no. But like, you know, it was a good game, so I, I can't <laughs> complain too much. Maddie wants some moderate weather to watch some moderate baseball. <laughs> I, did, I did. I said it was a it was a great weekday game of baseball. <laughs> yeah, but there's so much going on. Well, it's like the season's coming down to the wire. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about. I'm very excited. Yeah, lots going on with the local teams and just the Yankees and the Mets. This show will predominantly focus around our two locals here. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays and their starter, Alec Manoa, rough, rough year yeah. after being third in the American League Cy Young race in 2022. There's been a little a little bit of an issue with him and his demotions to the minors doesn't seem to gravitate to the decision as much as the Blue Jays would like him to, but we'll get into that. And then this historic National League MVP race, probably one of the better ones that we've seen in recent memory between Matt Olson, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna, obviously the two names are Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna, mm-hmm. but Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson are putting together very strong seasons. They most likely will not finish ahead of either Betts or Acuna, but they will be in this conversation all the way until the end. And it's kind of funny. They all play on the same team. Two of them. Well, two of them <laughs> yeah. play on the same team. One of them used to play on the yeah. two of their teams. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Acuna and Freeman and um, or Acuna and Olson, Betts and Freeman, Obviously a true testament to how strong the Dodgers and Braves are. You get four guys in the MVP conversation. But let's start right now with the Yankees. Let's talk about their young phenom center fielder, Jason Dominguez. One of their top prospects was called up in their youth movement over the last couple weeks. And he went off on a torrid start. He had four home runs in his first 31 at-bats, batting two fifty-eight. You know, it was more about the home runs played really great defense as well he can fly around the bases just an overall excellent talent that the Yankees are looking forward to have he goes down with a torn UCL probably going to require Tommy John surgery and for a position player to come back to use examples like Bryce Harper this year came back pretty soon didn't play any defense but that's okay you have the DH um so he can come back in six months and play and probably just hit. But it'll probably be a full nine to ten months before he could start playing center field again. So this is a real divot, so to say, in the Yankees' plans here for 2024. 2023 is pretty much out the window, right? This was their ticket to see where they wanted to be at for next year, and now that's a little bit on hold. Yeah, and I think when you bring up the scenario with like Bryce Harper, I think they're going to go 
a much more cautious route with mm. Jason Dominguez only because he is so young um, to try and put him back out there like Bryce Harper, who's much more acclimated to the game, who's been a season regular. I think it's a little different. Um, so I don't even think the Yankees will put him in at that six-month mark. I think they might let him rest that entire 9-10 to 10 period just to be safe because that guy is your future. That is what you're putting your money on because what the small sample size they saw out of him hitting 258, hitting those home runs – it's really impressive out of a young kid, and you don't want to start spoiling that and going in and worrying, okay, he's out, he has to get Tommy John. This is his first Tommy John, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way they should be rushing this trend at all. They really should play it cautious, and I think that's what they're going to do with him because they're just so worried about that. Yeah, nine to ten months takes you right about to June, July, about when a playoff push would probably start for the Yankees next year if that were to happen. And, you know, Dominguez is your future, and he was the first Yankee since Mookie, um, excuse me, Mickey Mantle to steal a base and hit a homer in his first game. That's pretty good stuff. And Mantle's rookie season, he got hurt. Switch hitting center fielder just like history repeats the itself. Mick. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, history does repeat itself. So overall, though, I don't see it as a huge loss. Obviously, this Yankees team is in a bit of a rut. Mm. Going into next year, they were probably going to be in a little bit of a rut. There's a lot of question marks that this front office needs to address, and there's a lot of question marks with the front office in general. So there's just a lot going on. I agree with both of you. Just let him do the full 10. Yeah. Yeah. Let him heal for the full 10. There's no need to get him back. He's not going to get DH reps over Giancarlo Stanton. Why would you want that? This kid can obviously fly. He can play a pretty good center field. It hasn't been stellar in the minors, but he's shown enough prowess on the baseball diamond that he can turn into one of the better center fielders in Major League Baseball. Just in this small sample size, he showed it in the minor leagues too. In AAA, he was on a tear. He wasn't even there for that long, and they brought him up right from them, and right from then, and he continued where he left off. He had a great spring training with the Yankees too. So overall, does it suck? Sure, yeah, it definitely does because this was what the Yankees and the Yankee fans had to conclude their season, and they're not going to get that, and for a little bit of next year, but let him fully recover, get him back to full speed. That's where you want him anyway. And for what it's worth, Will, talking about Stanton, if money wasn't even a thing, like there is a chance Dominguez could be a DH candidate right. for mm-hmm. the Yankees yeah. if money was off the table, and that's kind of a position the Yankees have put themselves in too, where these contracts, they can't get themselves out of it. Yeah. Right. They can't. Yeah. They, they could go with a platoon option when he comes back, but honestly... You're not the Phillies, to go back on this um, Bryce Harper example, because if you were the Phillies, you would want him back in six months. The Phillies needed Bryce Harper back, and they got him back, and look where they're at now. The Yankees aren't in that position, and no knock on Dominguez, but he's not that type of player just yet. He's only 20 years old. He's not going to give you Bryce Harper impact that you need right out of the gates. So Yeah. And and in other respects too, Bryce Harper is a leader for his team. And, right. And you're looking at this young kid who's just expected to just get your reps, you know, keep your head down and just do your thing. That's so he's not expected to go out there and, and do a lot of things for the Yankees right now. And we're talking about problems with the Yankees because that's went all the way back to the deadline. Mm. This problem started all the way back when they did nothing. And so now looking forward to this next season, the Yankees, like you said, shouldn't be expecting to do amazing things right out the gate. This is a really slow process. It's a slow rebuild process for both teams in New York right now. And so, you know, just looking at the injury and, and, you know, thinking about, you know, what they're going to do instead of him. um, I I just think like, yes, it sucks, but this is, it happens. Like this is an unfortunate mistake that happens that you just have to deal with and hope that he's ready. Because I think if you start, like putting him at the DH spot too early and he starts getting in the groove, but then he starts playing again, I think it might mess with his mind a little bit too. I think coming back off of injury, um, it's it's a really precarious situation, especially with young guys trying to figure out how to get back in the groove the right way versus, okay, they're wanting me to be ready before maybe I feel ready. And that's pressure that he doesn't need. Right. And unfortunately for his case on that, the Yankees could be in a position next year where they're going to need that out of him. Yeah. And that's what's kind of scary. They didn't do enough to build around their existing core. Obviously, they didn't even they hadn't even made a World Series since this existing core came into place and now those guys are getting older, so you want to develop a new one. And personally, no matter where they are in the standings, I don't think it would be necessary for them to rush their star back. But for this year, they're up in Boston right now. They're playing two different doubleheaders. They already played one. 
their game got postponed yesterday, and now they have a day-night doubleheader today. They split, um, excuse me, they didn't split, they swept mm-hmm. the doubleheader in Boston. Won the first game 3-2, to two, and then the second 4-1. to one. Solid games, not a lot going on. Heavy pitching, yeah. and just a little bit of clutch hitting. But the Yankees are back over 500. And have had a really good stretch of baseball over the last three weeks. They are now out of last place for the first time since I don't even know when. But um, (laughs) they're out. They're in fourth now. And with a win, they will definitely be ahead of the Boston Red Sox in the cellar. Right now they're tied with the Red Sox for fifth in the American League East. But they're playing good ball as of late. And a lot of that has to do with the domination of Garrett Cole. A lot of it. Garrett Cole, well on his way to his first American League Cy Young. And honestly, the names that you could throw at me right now, I will tell you, they're not going to win. No. You could go with Kevin Gosman. You can go with Luis Castillo. I'll even go as far to say, I don't think any of those those guys are going to get first place votes. This could be a unanimous, unless there's a writer out there that just is like, you know what? Not the Yankees. <laughs> this is not happening. But overall, Garrett Cole has had a unanimous American League Cy Young campaign. 13-4. and four. 279 ERA currently leads the American League in that category. He has started the most games in the American League at 30, and he has the most innings pitched at 187 with 204 strikeouts. This was actually the third time in his Yankees career that he's recorded 200 strikeouts, and he's the only Yankees pitcher ever to record three or more 200 strikeout seasons. So he is having an incredible season, and the Yankees, they're kind of just going to waste it, but Garrett Cole. Most likely the American League side. About time, right? I mean, the yeah. two uh, front, almost the 2019 and then uh, 2021, as you said, he finished in second place. And um, MLB best whip, 1.08 as well. So Garrett Cole's been turning up. We saw in the Subway Series, that yeah. festival that he had was electric. And mm-hmm. I, you know right away, no one's hitting that around the league. And it's been around the league for a while now, and no one's hitting it. His sharp curveball, everything he's had. It would be the last Yankee Cy Young since Clemens in 01. Mm. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of fans of the Yankees really want to see Cole win this. And it's good for their morals, too, because, you know, he's the the Yankees don't have a leader. They have Judge, obviously. But on the pitching side, you know, you need an ace to kind of take the ball every fifth day and say, you know what, we trust Garrett to do that. And, you know, it's been that way for a couple years now, but it's good that he's finally able to get that Cy Young. Yeah, and pitching has been weird for the Yankees this year, like across the board. So originally like when Cole was starting the season and I did not see the same type of Cole like that I was used to seeing out there and I was like oh he's just having another down year this is gonna this is this year is gonna go under the rug for him at this point Mm -hmm. turns it around completely he did um and like looking at 2019 and 2021 coming in second place um it's shocking to me that this could be his first um because I would have expected him to at least get one by now um but not much more I can say other than he leads in everything. He's been consistent out there. And this could just be, regardless of what the Yankees do in terms of um, finishing the season, this is, to me, something they really need to look forward to and building on. The fact that you now have a guy that won a Cy Young. How are you going to move forward in shaping the rest of your rotation? Because now you have this big leader, as you said, to build around and say, this is the guy you should be looking up to, helping guys, working their way up, and being a leader for this pitching staff. Well, the Yankees set it up in their clubhouse, too. I don't Mm -hmm. know what it's like for Mets. But one thing that I noticed when I was in there is that they have their leaders at the front. Garrett Cole is on the right side and Judge is on the left, Mm. and all the position players follow on the left and the pitchers on the right. And they have the two lockers that are right at the entrance exit for the players. That, to me, says a lot, and they obviously that's what they wanted out of Garrett Cole. They wanted him to have that locker where if you're leaving as a pitcher... You have to pass Garrett yeah. mm-hmm. on your same with same with Aaron Judge. You mm-hmm. have to pass both of your leaders before you leave. So I, I think they hit that on the head. That's there. kind of did that with Scherzer and Verlander too. The way they did it. Scherzer's locker was kind of towards the end. Yeah, I know um, Lindor's locker is in the right corner. I don't remember who's in the left. I think Nim, Nimmo. Nimmo, Scherzer, Nim, it, Nimmo is back there. Nimmo is in the left corner. Right but I don't know if he's directly there, but it's it's um, Lindor in the right corner. Yeah, but see, all these teams they keep who they want. At, in these certain spots in their locker room. And it does tell a little bit of a story of how the clubhouse is commanded by these players. And that was one of the first things I noticed with the Yankees. You got your two leaders right before the entrance exit doors. You have to pass them before you leave. I, I find that pretty admirable. You got to do that. You need that to set the tone in your clubhouse. But Garrett Cole, he could have had an NL Cy Young too with the Pirates, but there was Jake yeah. Arrieta. He was great in 2015. 
came in fourth that year. And then obviously that year with Houston, he won the ERA title but came up yeah. short to Justin Verlander. So could have won there, could have won in 2021, but he had a inflated ERA. Yeah. Three, two, mm-hmm. three. Robbie Ray took that one home. But before what it's worth, well, I got to get your opinion on this. Yeah. We talk about where it went wrong with the Yankees, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, historic start. One of the greatest starts we've ever seen. I don't know the exact numbers. 52 and 19. You were projected Something to win 115 like that, yeah. games at one point. Mm-hmm. You go out, you don't get pitching. We're talking about a year and a half later. Montgomery for Bader. How's that looking now? It doesn't you, look great. You know, with it, the center fielder Dominguez going down, it's like. You know, I wish we had Bader now. I'll or tell you, Montgomery I'll, even now too. How good he's been. I'll tell you though, with that trade, what a lot of people are getting lost with is that at the time, Jordan Montgomery was probably not going to make a postseason start for the Yankees. Yeah, that is almost a fact. He was their fifth starter. He was going to be a long relief pitcher. Harrison Bader, look what he did in the postseason. Yeah. That's great. Obviously, you didn't get anything else from him. But overall, did I think both teams lost this trade fairly? Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Montgomery didn't even start in the playoffs for the Cardinals because they were eliminated so fast. He was great for them down the stretch, but what would that have done for the Yankees? Maybe one them. I see him now in Texas turning it up, so mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. He's great in Texas too, but if you look at just the two trades, the two teams, he's in Texas now. He's not even with the Cardinals. So mm-hmm. the Yankees and Cardinals who are part of this trade, both of them just they didn't get what they wanted. Sure, did they get the performance at the time? Yes. Bader, maybe a little less so than Montgomery. I'm not too... You know, hung up on that, though, because yeah. I knew I loved Montgomery, too. He was great. He was a solid fifth guy to mm-hmm. have in this Yankees rotation. But I look at it now as like I think he would still be like a fourth guy on this Yankees team. They would be a little better. They would probably know. get a couple wins. But uh, the, the way you're it, the pitching right now is depleted for the Yankees. The way right. It, but for this year, it's kind of over. For yeah, the true, true, if, true. We'd have to look for next year, and I, I just don't see where Jordan Montgomery could fit on this team anymore. Stinks, that's where we're at in New York. You know, we're kind of giving up. It, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like so, we have nothing. You know, it's, it's, I'm not. I'm not too worried about it because even if they kept him, I really don't know how much of an impact he would have had on their postseason run last year. Would mm-hmm. he have won them a game against the Astros? I don't know. Probably <laughs> I, not. I, I don't know. You know, so you have to look at it that way. For the season, would he have gotten them a couple more wins? Yeah, probably. Bader, you know, he just couldn't stay on the field. So it was a rough trade for both sides, unfortunately, yeah. because the Cardinals, they end up tanking, and Harrison Bader can't stay healthy. So the Yankees didn't get their guy, and the Cardinals had their guy, but their team couldn't really do much. You got Bader in a boot, too. Got it was Bader in a boot. <laughs> Bader in a he boot. didn't play until September. So, and now he's on the Reds. But the Yankees pitching, they got a lot of question marks, and um, Garrett Cole is definitely not one nope, of them. Definitely so. Not. You know, hopefully he takes home that Cy Young. That would be a nice little something for Yankee fans in this season. You had the perfect game by Domingo Herman. That has kind of gone by the wayside with everything that's gone on with his team. He'll probably have one of the more quieter perfect games that we will remember until the next one happens, just with how this season has transpired. But let's go cross town now. Yankees, they will play a day-night doubleheader today starting at 1.30 in Boston to wrap up that series. But for the Mets, they... Added a piece, not to the team, but to the organization that was desperately needed, was needed when they won 100 games last year, and it wasn't there. Now it's there, and it's David Stearns, named president of baseball operations. You guys both on the Mets beat, both Mets fans as well. I love this move for you guys. I thought Theo Epstein was going to be the move. That didn't really seem to work out over the offseason, but David Stearns, I kind of like this a little better because the teams that Theo Epstein was running... He was, he was great with Boston. He was great with Chicago. This team is more David Stern-centric. If you look at the Brewers, everything that the Brewers have done, they've done it internally, and they've added the pieces around it. Now, David Stearns comes into a great situation with the Mets. They just overhauled on prospects at the deadline. Now, he can now turn and flip into you know their core. And now you have the pockets of Steve Cohen to build the team around your core. That's what is wrong in all sports. We'll just I'll go on a little bit of a side note. <laughs> you cannot buy championships. Yeah. You cannot buy right. players to get you to a championship. It's very clear. It's never worked. You need your four to five guys for baseball wise to round out your core of a team. Getting Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander is like it's an in place core. It's not an actual core. They it's were a band-aid. Just, exactly, yeah. yeah. It, it's a mega band-aid. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So now you bring those guys in from the farm system 
And then you can go out and get big names because now you have deep enough pockets to do that. And I think David Stearns is the perfect guy for this current Mets situation. I think I'm I'm very impressed with this acquisition, number one, because uh, we beat the Astros for him. And that's that's at the end of the day <laughs> something that all of Major League Baseball can smile at. All of New York can smile at. All of New York yeah. can smile at. Yeah, pretty much. But um, no, like what you said with the Brewers, I, I think looking for the right kind of guy, I think Stearns was the perfect fit. I, I couldn't be upset about this at all. And I think... The front office has done a lot this season in order to set Stearns up for success. I think everybody that we've lost this year was for the better. Like DeGrom leaving at the start of the season. Look where he is now. Mm. Max Scherzer. Look where he is now. We get Acuna for him. And Acuna is doing great in the minors. So look at like look at all these steps. Getting all of those prospects. Getting all this young the young guys. Letting the kids play now. Everything is set up for Stearns to like be ready he's got to find the starting rotation he's got to find the bullpen we have to have a few starting position players but there's and there and there's he has a lot of things to do on his list I think the first test for him that Mets fans will look at is what he does with Pete Alonso I think that's the first thing they have to look at and I think after watching Pete Alonso last night Pete Alonso is doing everything he can to show Stearns that he deserves mm. this extension mm. um had three RBIs last night, two the night before, home run, like, like the guy's doing everything he can, and Mets fans want him to stay, and I think, and I've read that Stearns is very hesitant about getting rid of someone like that, because not only do you get rid of culture in the clubhouse, you get rid of your top, your top guy, because arguably, Alonzo is a top hitter in the league behind Olsen. Olsen, to me, is like the top hitting guy in the league. I would put Alonzo within that two or three slot, really, at this point. Even though his batting average is low, he's got tons of RBIs. He's consistently power hitting. He's a guy you want to keep on your team. And so I think that's his first, you know, step. And then we worry about what the future is with Buck. And I think that becomes more tricky because... I feel like Mets fans are a little divided on Buck Showalter only because we can respect that the players really like him, but he has made questionable calls with the bullpen, with everything, but now you have to look at it as like the Mets aren't playing for the playoffs right now. So any decision he makes is kind of like secondary to me at this point because you're not really playing for much. I think personally, in my opinion... Although, like, people might want Buck gone, I don't see Buck leaving right now with this new movement of Stearns. I think he stays around just for a little bit longer because I think we have to see this experiment through. He had the 101 win season that we had. This was the down year. I just, I can't see Stearns swapping managers yet when he has so many other people in the Mets organization he has to replace because the Mets just cleaned house they got rid of what four yeah, four, four different yeah. people in the front office yep. I can't see then adding manager to that as part of his job list when he has so many other things to worry about this offseason in terms of getting players worrying about these new staff members worrying about the Pete Alonso contract worrying about this worrying about that that show Walter to me it's not going to play a factor right now in his mind. Yeah. Um, Showalter is under contract through till next season. So I think it would be too much turnover at once. If, you know, you get a, a new president of baseball operations and then a new manager in the same year, how is that going to look at, you know, opening day? It's not going to, it's not going to look, you know, fly over well in New York. And for what it's worth, this move means so much for the Mets in terms of their future. We know that, but you have to look, Andrew Friedman, he was did the same thing, president of baseball operations with the Rays. He took what he knew, limited payroll, not a lot of money, smaller market, went to L.A., turned them into what they are now. Got mm-hmm. Mookie Betts, mm-hmm. yep. got Freddie Freeman, yeah. turned the Dodgers into what they are now. You're going to do that with the Mets. You're going to see. Last night, you see Alonzo rip a double, mm-hmm. left center field. You see him rip singles. That's scary. To me, yeah. that's when you realize, all right, we have, and I'm going to say this. I think, for what it's worth, he's the best power hitter in the National League. We've seen what Olsen is this year. That's fine. But consistently over their careers, you can put him up there with Otani and Judge. As a power hitter, strictly power hitting, down that lane, that's Pete Alonso. No one else around the league is going to give you that. 
He's going to hit 45 home runs this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just touching on Stearns, one last thing. Um, it, there's going to be a question going from a smaller market to a bigger market, Milwaukee to New York. That's going to be a big question. How is he going to handle the pressure of New York? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But as you said, there's a lot of turnover. Craig Council might follow along. That's another name that you have to watch mm-hmm. out for if Buck does get replaced a year from now. You know, but we'll see. I would say more of Corbin Burns rather than Craig Council. Um, because what do, what do you mean? Corbin Burns wants out of Milwaukee. If you're gonna bring somebody from Milwaukee, I think a you're pitcher, okay, a player, yeah, rather than Craig Council. I would love Corbin Brewers, Burns. Too. Yeah, the Brewers have a really good thing going on over there. You got to look at what they've done with Stearns. This is a team that has not been under 500 in in a few years, and that's something that's pretty strange to think about because. You know, when we were in middle school and even a little younger, the Brewers are not very good. They had their one little stint in 2011 and 2008 as well. But other than that, they really haven't been good. And then David Stearns took over. And now that they've they've been a perennial contender in the National League Central. And mm-hmm. I like the comparison of, with Andrew Friedman because it's not the same, but it's pretty close. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a decade ago, but I mean, yeah, it's still cold. The Brewers true. were not or are not run like the Rays, but it's similar though. They have a little more money to spend, but they use their farm system for the most yeah. part. Cor- Corbin Burns is a homegrown guy. And then to you have to look at what he did to make the Brewers a really good team a few years ago. Went out and got Christian Yelich, then he won the MVP. Mm. Obviously Yelich is not that same player, but that's what he needs to do for this Mets team. He already has stars to work with. Mm-hmm. He had to go out and get a star. Now he has stars to work with, on top of an already good farm system that he can play around with. Once he gets that farm system where he wants it to be, at the major league level or just before the major league level, then you could start seeing more big signings from the Mets. And the Mets have had their eyes on Stearns for a while. Yeah, yeah like, he's, he's been there. So His name has been around. You know, he, the contract situations with the Brewers, they're kind of holding it over his head for a couple of years, but finally he got out of there. And the Mets and uh, Stearns didn't have any relationship before this. Like, he walked into a meeting, basically, and signed a contract. It worked. Their pitch worked. Yeah. They got yep. their guy. And Cohen Cohen was really adamant about it, but it, it also helps that um, Stearns was a Mets fan growing up. and well, From Queens, yeah. From Yeah. And there so wanting to see the Mets succeed was really important. Um, but it's really funny when you look at the Stearns acquisition and you look at Cohen's approach to it because you can really see what kind of owner Cohen is versus other owners where this was not like a secret, we're going to get Stearns under the radar. It's going to be – Cohen was just out there proclaiming yeah. he wanted yep. Stearns. And then the Astros, and the Astros walked in because they're like, well, why would we let this guy just walk in, yeah. take this guy when he's already spending so much money in Major League Baseball? It's just not – they think it's not fair. And so it worked out for Cohen because it just things work out for him, I guess, with like the amount of money he has and the influence he has. It's a businessman. And – and Major League Baseball just doesn't like it for the most part. Um, and you know what? I, I'm really happy with how it went. Um, and I'm looking forward to this new Stearns era because we just needed someone in that role. Like, as as like, as like much as you think like somebody else can manage, like Epler could just step in and manage that for a long period of time. He can't. Mm-hmm. He, he really can't. No, he and can't. so it's, it's good to finally have that guy there to be able to worry about all of this stuff because – the Mets ship this year was sinking anyway from the get-go because of the gaps and everything that was going on. And so now, finally, we're going to put ourselves in the right foot and look forward to the next couple of years because now we're on a new timeline for that World Series. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 going to be good. And, and the young talent with underneath him looking great. And this, to me, unfortunately, it didn't happen. And it could have gotten the Mets a lot closer to a World Series but this, to me, should have been one of the first things that they did. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Right. Now there's a lot off the plates of Steve Cohen and Billy Epler. Yes. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know collaborating to make these decisions, Billy Epler, I think, definitely is capable of that. He hasn't had a role of that magnitude. It's really just been GM, which is you know enough to begin with. And Steve Cohen, he doesn't have a baseball background, but mm-hmm. he's got the money. So... It's kind. It was kind of a hard collaboration between those two. Now you get somebody who has a little more experience and has had experience at the position in which he's taking over. It's really a good transition for both Cohen and Epler. Epler can focus on the general manager tasks. 
And Cohen can just be the manager. He can come in when he needs to come in instead of making decisions right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's a guy in place there now that can, you know, take the workload off of the front office because that's a lot. That's a yes. that's a big responsibility to be both the president of baseball ops and the general manager. That's a lot going on. So I think the Mets have put themselves in a good situation. If the Yankees have shown us anything. The general manager manages the owner. Yep. So yep. you can't have Epler doing both because what's he going to do? So you got to have them having their own positions mm-hmm. doing what they do best. Yep. So the Mets, uh, they're in a good spot. And, you know, a little side note, a small note, Mauricio and Alvarez yeah. helping Stearns mm-hmm. out, I would say, especially for the end of this season. Alvarez for the whole season. You obviously know who your catcher is going to be for the foreseeable yeah. future. And Ronnie Mauricio has done some incredible things since being called up and now I would say making it a little more challenging for Brett Beatty to get more time if you look at Luis Angel Acuna coming up probably going to play second base that moves Mauricio to third he's got the frame for it where does Brett Beatty go there's some now there's a little he Stearns comes into a situation where there's going to be internal decisions that need to be made as soon as he comes in. And I think that's a very important one because that is going to determine what this whole, the whole theme of this segment has been, who your core is. Is Brett Beatty going to stick around or is Ronnie Mauricio going to take his spot at third base? Or Mark Vientos. Or we Ma- saw what he did last night. just hit a home run last <laughs> yeah. night. Could um, be Vientos. Yeah. It's, I think it will be. It's really tough because... I really liked the prospect of Brett Beatty coming in and then his battle with Escobar for that third base spot. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Beatty winning that one out. But he just, what is he had like 34 at bats or something yeah, since being it's back? Not, Some, much. not much, but not good. Right. Like, not good out of him. And his defense always is still a question. He's improving, but. I don't know if he's improving at a major league rate that we need him at for third base. And so, you know, it's it's really tough. I, I think it really just depends um, next season how much they want to play Mauricio because you look at what he did like two nights ago and then they benched him the next yeah. day. Sickness. Yeah, we, it's bad. It, the sickness thing, I don't know if I really buy. Alvarez didn't play last night either. So yeah. it's just like... I don't know. It goes back to... Um, Alvarez has been weird this year. They keep sitting him at three. Well, one. you know what? No, I think it has to do with... Um, I think it has to do a little bit with Buck and his reluctance to play the kid. It's like the Tom Thibodeau situation. He doesn't like kids. Mm. And I think that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. Um, and so to see them being benched after they have a big night, I'm not really surprised mm. by it. Um, but Vientos playing last night was great for him getting his home run. Um, but... The the infield is going to be very interesting in terms of that that corner spot with Mauricio and Beatty, and I think honestly Beatty will probably get that start come opening day, like the start of the season. I think Mauricio will get time to play again, but they're gonna but Buck Showalter is I think going to be pretty adamant that he does not want Mauricio starting in that spot. Only even though I arguably think he should be. I think they want a larger sample size to fall back on to make that decision. And they say, well, we have this larger sample size with Beatty. We haven't played Mauricio this much. They, I think they're going to go on that basis, even though I think it's the wrong one. It was a weird thing with the Beatty-Escobar thing to start. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they should have gotten rid of Escobar. He was a good clubhouse guy. I had no problems with Escobar. He was a good leader, too. I agree. For what it was worth. It and did help your farm system. Yeah, it did. It did. And, and, you know, looking back, those are always good things. But what are these prospects going to be? What is Luis Angel Acuna going to be? That That's a good point. That's a very is good he, point. Is he really going to be our starting second baseman in 2024? I don't think According so. According to his brother, yes. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's an important note, though, because minor league talent, as of the current day, is always just potential. Mm. Yeah. So we could rave all we want. You could project all you want, too. But at the end of the day, minor league talent is just potential. So you really have to make sure all of your you know, stars are aligned. And the Mets are trying to do that by hiring David Stearns and now having kind of a threefold instead of just kind of running around with your head on fire making these decisions as Steve Cohen and Billy Epler. But one more thing on the Mets, though. Bartolo Colon. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How about the guy? Man? Of course. Big <laughs> sexy. Retires on Sunday, yeah. right? Yeah. What a career for him. 
he, is he 50 now? He's he old wanted, yeah. He wanted to make a comeback. He tried. He was trying. He tried. But yeah, yeah. I saw those off-season workouts. Oh, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The he was striking out 13-year-olds, too, with <laughs> Those were the best. That was so Bartolo Colon. But he retires. He had a good career. That's a little bit of a note. So, big sexy. That home run he hit against James Shields, that's what he's known for. There is a case for the Hall of Fame. You think so? I, I don't do. know. He's got a f- over a four ERA. I do. 247 wins. I mean, like I don't know. He played. He was a journeyman. He had 20 years with the White Sox. Yeah, 2,500 strikeouts. Won the Cy Young in 05. I don't know. I think his ERA is a little high for the Hall of Fame. I think you could. I think he'll stick around on the ballot. He's but... been playing since 97 to 2018. Jesus, yeah. you know, he's like a, a, he, a lot of players have seen. You know, like a Miguel Cabrera, obviously not the same level, but what yeah. I think of in terms of longevity. Yeah, he's close to a four-decade player. He just missed I, it by I think a couple of years. For the Mets, why he resonates so well, 2014, 15, 16, were pretty good years. 14, not so much, but 15 and 16 were very good years. Yeah. So I think that's kind of why he also holds a good you know, tune in the Mets' you know, ears, but... Well, aside from his home, his home run too. The little behind the back toss yeah, he did yeah. that one yes. game. Yes, <laughs> Justin Bohr running down Gets the line. Miami, I think, or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's he's great. Wow. I actually met him like a couple months ago, and I got to give him a little <laughs> fist bump because <laughs> awesome. he was there to throw out the first pitch at the Mets game. Nice. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I was like, how are you? And I was so <laughs> how are excited. you, man? Please come back. <laughs> he played for the Yankees too. He wasn't yeah, that yeah, great. Yeah. He was an All Star with the Mets. I actually didn't know that in 2016. Yeah. He, he had a good Mets career. That wild card yeah. run. More than just you know specific moments. Like Non-complete games in 2003. Yeah, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Well he won stats, the man. Cy Young in 05 with the Angels. You know why he's not a Hall of Famer, though? Why? PED thing oh, in okay. 05. Fair, yeah. That will hold him back tremendously. Come on, but big sexy. Good, good career played until he was 45 years old and continued to try to play up until now. He will retire. But that's going to do it for our locals. There was a, there's a lot going on. There's going to be a lot going on yeah. with both of these teams as the season concludes. Let's talk more general baseball here and a team that is tied for the third spot in the American League wildcard that is the Toronto Blue Jays Mm. their starter one of their starters Alec Manoa potential ace especially when he was coming out of West Virginia I loved when they drafted this kid and then he got up there and he looked good and now he's having a lot of struggles he was the third he was third in Cy Young voting last year and has now in 2023 been demoted twice the second time came on August 11th, and he has not reported to AAA since his assignment. <laughs> he went to the Florida um, Gulf Coast League to get some reps in and then came back to the big squad, didn't do any better at all, and then got demoted one more time. Has not reported, and he has been placed on the inactive list since September 5th. So definitely... For this year for the Blue Jays, obviously in the midst of a push here, it's not going to affect them for this year, right? But this is a guy, you really got to take a, a good look at it here because he's just having one really rough year. And last year, I think, showed how good he can really be. So moving Finalist forward. Finalist for the Cy Young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, you know, after this year, this is big. They need him to get back on track because they did a great job of aligning their rotation. They go out and get a Chris Bassett. Mm. They have Kevin Gosman. And then you had you have Jose Barrios as well. Mm-hmm. And then you had Manoa. That's a good one through four. It now it's a one through three that's kind of like, all right. And without Manoa, the Blue Jays are fine. But in the future, they need to figure out their their product here, their homegrown product. I think when you look at the situation as a whole, there's a lot to be said with, yes, Manoa was just having a down year, but I think Toronto also deserves to shelter some blame for this in terms of they saw what was going on and they consistently put him back out there. Mm. Specifically that Yankee game that they put him out there and he has like one of the worst starts of his career. Like it was just he got shelled by the Yankees and they continued to ignore the fact that he had no command this year because they had no other options at the time and so for him it's demoralizing because you're like I suck I'm going out there you know I can't do anything my hard hit rates up um I I have the most walks in major league baseball at the time you know he he wasn't he wasn't producing and the the Blue Jays were like no you're gonna keep going out there and he's like well like what like what can I do at this point like I'm not I can't get better and so when they promoted him back 
um, it it just wasn't the time for him. And I think you start getting defeated as a player. And so, yes, while Manoa just simply was not good this year and it's a, a lot of it falls on him. I think Toronto just misplayed this entire situation with him and it led to this really nasty bad blood that caused him to not report and to show a lack of interest in doing something like that. And so both sides really have to come to it and say, you know, we messed up, you know, we still want you like all of this stuff, but they really have to repair this in the off season. or I, I don't see this guy staying with them really because it, it the bad blood to me looks pretty bad. Like, not reporting for that amount of time is is pretty bad for a player. It's one thing to miss one or two, but this is like it got bad with them. Yeah, this is certainly a situation that is tough because Alec Manoa this year with the Blue Jays has not been pretty. Three and nine with a five point eight seven, and mm-hmm. his career with the Blue Jays twenty eight and eighteen with a three point three two. So those aren't typically good numbers. And I think right from the beginning of the year, you saw I don't know if it was spring training or one of the first games of the season. The pitch clock was obviously getting to Manoa. He was yes. obviously rattled. Yep. He was like sweating, and like he obviously couldn't adjust. I think right then and there, maybe that's what did him in. Could it be, could be it's just could the rule change alone. Need to work on it. A heavier guy and, and cardio does go into baseball a little bit. You know, when you're pitching and you know constant yeah. speed of you know getting the ball back and you know, it's a whole thing. But it could have affected him. Seventy nine strikeouts to fifty nine walks when he was Ugh. initially demoted. I believe that number was forty three walks, but that was like in June. Obviously, he hasn't started a lot since then, but he had 43 walks not too far into the season. The Blue Jays the are time. a real threat to the Yankees if they get their stuff together, you know? They but. are, yeah, and the Yankees have played against the Blue Jays pretty well this year, but that was before Judge got hurt and before everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket for the Yankees. <laughs> They're going to play them six times before the season is over. So make up some ground. Could make up mm-hmm. some ground. We will see, but this is big for the Blue Jays because— th- Alec Manoa, he was a first-round pick in 2019. He was a, the 11th overall pick. As I said, I loved him when he was at West Virginia. Electric starts. And to start his major league career, a 3-2-2 ERA in his rookie year. He went yeah. 9-2. and And then a 2-2-4. Mm-hmm. 2-2-4 at 24 years old in 2022. He was an all-star, and now he's just kind of fallen off the face of the earth. So hopefully he can get back on track and add to a good Blue Jays roster and a good Blue Jays rotation. So we'll see where they end up down the stretch. Playing the Rangers. Yes. Yes, they are. That's interesting. How about that Blue Jays Rangers? Yeah, Nathan Avaldi, 11 and 4. Good pitching matchup versus Kevin Gosman. And transition with the Rangers, obviously, what happened with Scherzer goes down. Right. For the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrace major injury right under his like, right lat, I believe. That's where it is. Yep. A similar issue that he had with the Mets earlier in the year that flared up again. Scherzer's out for the year. A little stuff. throwback rivalry, though, Rangers-Blue yeah. Jays. Yeah. But, yeah, big stuff from Scherzer, too, uh, going going down. The Rangers, they are kind of running around with their hair on fire yeah. now, not playing good ball over the last month and now losing their biggest trade di- deadline acquisition. But I want to go over one more thing before we wrap it up here, though, guys. Sure. Let's talk about this NL MVP race between Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Mookie Betts, and Ronald Acuna. Obviously, it is between... Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna, but if you take a closer look at Freddie at the seasons that Freddie Freeman, more specifically Freddie Freeman is having, Matt Olson obviously we know he's got over fifty home runs, and um, and all of that right. Freddie Freeman's batting three thirty seven with twenty six home runs and ninety three RBIs. He's getting on base over forty one percent of the time. He's got an OPS that's almost at a thousand. Quietly having a third place MVP season. All four of these guys are really going down the stretch here. Whoever has the next best two to two and a half weeks, I like, listen, think about if Freddie Freeman goes on an absolute tear in the next two weeks. He could slot right into that conversation with Mookie and Acuna. Personally, I think it's going to be Mookie. Um, not Mookie. Oh. I think it's going to be Acuna. <laughs> there you go. Mookie's going to be a very close finish, but just with the season that Acuna is putting together overall, overall. I think it's. I think those stolen bases really do matter a lot, especially yeah. if he can become one of the few, part of a very elite club, mm-hmm. the forty forty club. That would be very impressive. So I'm going to say it's going to be Acuna, but I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think. I hate to say it, and I'm going to say it, but oh, I no. think it's going to be Acuna. Mm. I I really hate to give like the Braves any credit. I really do, and especially watching this the Braves um, Phillies 
games oh, where yeah. Acuna has been taunting the heck out of the Phillies fans. And then the cat, what was the caption he posted the other day? It was just like, um, if you, it was like, if you, uh, hate to listen like be quiet or like mm. just let me play like all this stuff like he's going <laughs> he really wants this and you know what when you look at faces of major league baseball Acuna is up there to be top three in terms Absolutely. of how he generates young interest in the game his style his flair yes he plays for a team I hate but he is good at what he does and he is a for like a pretty positive guy like you could say his Instagram posts like whatever like the, mm -hmm. the Phillies fans will be like no he's so negative or whatever but for the most part a very positive guy in Major League Baseball that you want to keep seeing and so like you said could join elite company in that 40-40 club and how many he has what 36 home runs right 37 now? 37 97 RBIs 66 stolen bases yeah and and I like bets but and I think bets maybe technically playing like a technical game that is a little bit more above Acuna I just think Acuna when you are up there voting you're gonna remember what he did a little bit more than what Betts is doing at the end of the day I think you're right just typically off the stolen bases alone but uh, just what the Braves are doing I think they'll probably go on to win the World Series but you talk about the 40-40 he'd be the first 30-60 ever yeah. mm, so there you uh, go. It's, pre it's pretty good 25 year old doing stuff like that but I think Acuna will win but bets, there is that case. Mm -hmm. There, there really is. Three eleven, thirty-seven doubles, thirty-nine bombs, hundred and three RBIs, eleven stolen bases. But he does play three positions. Yep. Right field, second, short, and if advanced metrics are your thing, seven point nine is his WAR apparently, and then according to Acuna's uh, on Fangraphs, it's seven point three. Wow. So you know, and then Freeman, you can't count him out. But I don't know. We Freddie Freeman's kind of like. I don't know how to equate it to other sports, but he's kind of just like we accept that he's very good for what he does, and that's just kind of what it is, and we expect that every year. Yeah. Yeah, and he's probably going to end up being a Hall of Famer as well with a couple of these guys. So yeah, definitely. Mookie yeah. Betts and Freddie Freeman, mm -hmm. definitely potential Hall of Famers, but maybe Mookie, Garrett Cole if he gets that sign. Yeah, we'll yeah. never know, man. <laughs> no. But with Mookie, though, he really only has Acuna beat in the OPS category. Yeah. He's got two more home runs, and then he's got a few more RBIs. That's what is making this very, very special. Acuna, the reason I say Acuna is because I, I think the stolen bases here have a lot of value, especially with how much he's stealing them at the clip that he's stealing them at. 66 stolen bases. I don't, I cannot remember the last time a guy stole 70 bases in a season. I really want... Pierre? Why, it may, may have been, man. It may have been. It's been a while. I, I really don't know, and I think that has a lot to add to his case here. He's also His batting average is also 20 points higher than Mookie Betts's. He's He also has... Almost 40 more hits than him. Acuna's going to have a 200-hit season. Betts is not going to have a 200-hit season. He may finish with a little more home runs and a little more RBIs, but it's going to come down to the wire. I think mm -hmm. it's genuinely going to come down to the last day of the season. Whoever's really on fire then is going to. If any of them hit a little bit of a rut, it's, it's going to be over for them in this race, and whoever doesn't will end up winning it. But it's going to go all the way down to the wire, and I think Acuna will end up taking it i also think one more thing to mention is how your team fares does yeah. play a factor in i this agree as well. with 100 like people want to say yes mvp could be separate um from all of this but i really genuinely think there is a team bias that comes along with this voting and i think the braves are in a much better position than the dodgers and so i think there's already an inherent like okay we're looking at the braves they already clinched look at what they're doing in the national league east for the past like god knows how many years at this mm -hmm. point it has a lot of impact when you're voting, and that means a lot to your team. What can you do for your team, not what can your team do for you all the time? Yep. And so I think what Acuna is doing for his team is far outweighing maybe what Betts is doing. And I think that just comes down to personality, too. I, I think Betts is a solid player. Like I said, I think technically he might be playing the better season than Acuna, but Acuna is out there being loud, being rambunctious, be like, putting his personality out there and when you like I said go to vote that's what you're gonna remember you're not gonna sit there and go well he, well Betts had you know this many this many this many you're gonna say well I remember when Acuna made made his 3060 potentially that's what you're gonna remember at the end of the day maybe not the fact that you know Betts played all around a better game if you even want to say that yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that I think the team's success has a lot to do with this award but um, it that has obviously gone by the wayside over the last few years. 
Um, you look at Shohei Otani, he's probably going to run away, run away with the American League MVP on a really bad team. For sure. But with the Braves, uh, this is where you have to look at it with bets. If the Dodgers don't have bets, I think they're still pretty good because they've yeah. got Freddie Freeman and they got a lot. I think the Braves take a little more of a backseat and a little more of a hit than the Dodgers would without Acuna. So with that being said, I would say, you know, he's obviously very valuable to this team. And without him, they're not nothing, but they definitely do take a little bit of a hit. And I think that needs to be into consideration. One of the games I beat reported this year, Acuna uh, stole his 55th. So mm. it's like you see this guy fly around the bases. It yeah. is unworldly what he's able to do. And it, I'm happy because, you know, not because his brother's in the Mets organization, but just honestly because his, Met, his brother's in the Mets organization. And seeing what, you know, <laughs> just that's how it is. I, you know, it's just cut cut and dry. And it's simple. And I, I'm very excited, Will. And we... we the NL MVP race, for what it is, is very interesting. And obviously, I don't want to plug the Cy Young race, but it, it just goes to show. Last night, the Mets rock Allen. Six earned runs in five innings. Talk about the Cy Young here. You know, it, it can easily flip. So all these awards, it, it comes with the weeks. It's very interesting, but the NL MVP is going to come down to the wire. The AL, AL Cy Young is wrapped up. I, I think it really is cold. The AL MVP is probably wrapped up. I do honestly think it's Otani we've known that since May and you know what will the NL MVP be it's going to be one of those races where we'll look back kind of like Yelly and Belly in 2019 and a little bit I think we'll look back at this and you know someone's Hall of Fame career will be benefited very much from this year I agree this is going to be one of the better races that we see in the next few years I would assume hopefully hey you never know you could have something even better next year but we'll be talking about the 2023 NL MVP race for you know, a, long, a, dec- a, a long time. We could say a long time. especially Olsen, Olsen's if, year is very special. Too. Yeah, Always. over 50 home runs. So lots to look forward to as the MLB season winds down. And NL MVP race, NL Cy Young race, as you were alluding to, Dan. Definitely way up in the air. And the American League is pretty much wrapped up. And that's going to wrap up this edition of Nosebleeds, a production of WFUV Sports. Lots of fun baseball left to be played postseason right around the corner and i'm looking forward to it same with dan bartels and maddie bimonti my two co-hosts today and i am will talent we we are thanking you for listening to this edition of nosebleeds a production of wfuv sports